I've had a lot of the typical things happen in life. My parents divorced when I was five. Um, my dad got remarried when I was 10. He moved away. For me, that was kind of the end of our relationship. I felt very abandoned. It kind of defined my childhood, even though I, I didn't even know it. During adolescence, I was overperforming. You know, I would try to get really good grades. I, you know, did cheerleading. I stayed as busy as I possibly could. I had a ton of friends because, I don't know, I guess I almost felt like my family didn't truly love me. And that's a really bad way to feel. So the only way that I could deal with that pain of that feeling was to find other people that would listen to me. And they weren't always friendships with the right people. Even though I had a lot of friends, I still felt very alone. And I never had a healthy relationship. I almost think I used sex to find love instead of having love lead to sex. And that just made me feel more alone. I was 26. I had already moved down to North Carolina from a different state. And a friend from high school, he had come down to visit. And I used to drink way too much. One thing led to another, and there were two opportunities. And one of them led to, to my son. And I considered abortion. I called made an appointment. I immediately called back and canceled it because I knew there's no way I could do that. And um, I told his dad that I was pregnant and he told me we would do it together. And then he left. And so I went through a pregnancy alone and his dad wasn't there when he was born, but my mom was, my sister was, and I, my best friend was, but I still felt alone. I had to give up my dream. I was working in the Department of Psychiatry at Duke doing what I loved. I was working with people that had substance abuse issues and um, personality disorders, and I was just so interested in what I was doing. And my new job was still in research, but I had switched to a pharmaceutical company. It took so much out of me that I, I wasn't being the mom that I, that I could have and should have been. One day, I reached out to God and I asked for help. I admitted that I needed help. I admitted that I was lacking in hope. And I had woke up one morning just with something on my heart, like I needed to hear something from God, right? Something, anything. And I got online and I was actually looking for online sermons for a different church. So it pulled up services for LifePoint. And I listened to a series that was called um, Monsters. And that's what sealed the deal for me because I saw the monster was in me too. And basically that, that series told me, well, Jesus is the answer. And then we started coming and I did the Tri Five and I kept coming back. In June of 2016, my son came to me and, and he said, mom, I think I want to be baptized. Oh, I was so proud. And so um, Rob baptized me and then we baptized my son. Something changed for sure. I started to understand Jesus. At that point, I, I started to feel more forgiveness for 
the anger that I had felt. And a lot of things happened and Jesus being in my life came in the form of a class that they teach here at LifePoint called Life's Healing Choices. Through Life's Healing Choices, and I learned that I wasn't alone <laughs> through these ladies that were telling me things that they've never told anybody. We all did it. And it made me look at myself. And I came to the conclusion that other people are flawed, but the real problem was with me. That's why I felt so alone my whole life. I was angry and I had never dealt with it. So I had kept everybody at arm's length. My life just, it just changed dramatically. How I spent my time changed. I stopped striving at work. I, I actually prayed to get released from my corporate job. I was, give, I was laid off and given severance. And God called me to do work for Him during this period. My vision is I'm to hear people's stories, then I want to tell their story in whatever form it should be told in, whether it's a children's book, a poem, lyrics to a song, that is what I'm being called to do. So that's Melissa's story. Thank you, Melissa, for sharing part of your life with us. Here's what we need to know when we mess up. We need to know that when we mess up, God doesn't give up. No matter how bad we've blown it, no matter how many mistakes we've made, God never gives up on us. Now that might be news to you. Maybe you've messed up and you feel like life is over, but you need to know that when you mess up, God doesn't give up on you. So we're in this series called Overwhelmed. And at no time in life do you feel more overwhelmed than when you've messed up, when you've made mistakes, when you want to start again, when you wish you could make that decision again, or go back in time and choose a different path. And when the, the, the reality of that hits us, we feel like, gosh, I'm overwhelmed. As we're going through this series we're looking at a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Jonah. And Jonah heard from God. He knew what he was supposed to do. He actually heard audibly from God what he was supposed to do, and he chose not to do it. And God asked him to go speak to a group of people in a city called Nineveh and let them know that they needed to change their ways. Pretty simple request. But Jonah heard that from God and concluded no, he didn't want to do it. He was, it was clear what God wanted and it was clear what Jonah didn't want to do. The people he was supposed to go speak to in Nineveh would have hated the Israelites, so he just said no, and he took off in a on a boat in another direction. He thought he could hide from God by going 2,500 miles the other direction when God said, I want you to go over here. And as we've looked through his story, we've seen him get overwhelmed by his decision. First, the decision was, I'm overwhelmed by what God's asking me to do. Then the next time he's overwhelmed, they're on this boat, middle of the night, storm comes, and they decide that Jonah's the culprit that caused the storm, so they throw him overboard. This fish shows up, swallows him, and that's where we left the story last week. And while it might look like God, that God is getting his revenge on him, and you may feel like you're at a point in life where God's getting you back for whatever it is that you've done or mistakes you've made or bad decisions that you've made. 
Here's the truth that's guiding us through all four weeks of this series. And that is that God is not out to repay me. God is out to rescue me. Just imagine, Jonah gets swallowed by this fish and somehow doesn't die. And he's in the belly of this fish for three days. And last week, we talked about all the prayers he prayed while he was in the belly of the fish. If you missed that, just go back and read Jonah chapter two, and you can see his desperate prayers when he's at the bottom and the most overwhelmed he's ever been. And he's desperately crying out to God. And then he recognizes, hey, I need to make a change. I need to turn it around. A place where we find ourselves sometimes. That God, if you just make things different, I will, I will never disobey again. I will do what I'm supposed to do if you just give me another chance. And God did. And here's what he said. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. So he comes to Jonah with a second chance. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. If it would have been the 10th time, it would have still been the Lord spoke to Jonah. He gave him another chance. Now, just imagine, what if you're vacationing and a guy just gets vomited up on the beach? That would have been kind of a weird thing to see, wouldn't it? It's like, there's a, there's a guy and he's got fish vomit all over him. It's gross. Imagine you're Jonah and you're standing there. The first time God asked you, everything was great, and you said no and went the other direction. Second time, you just got out of a fish for three days, and God says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. Second time he said that. First time, Jonah said no. Second time, okay, <laughs> I will do it. You have my attention. Because whenever God speaks to us, we have a decision. Am I going to do what he asks or not? Now, maybe you're new to church and me saying God's speaking to you, you're thinking, well, what does that even mean? How does God speak? I'm not talking about audible conversations. I'm talking about the way God speaks to us through his word. That's gonna come down the aisles in just a moment. The way God speaks to us through godly wisdom of other people. God speaks. And as we're going through this story I want everybody that wants one to have a Bible in their hand, just uh, grab one as the ushers bring those down. You can also follow along on the screen. Those are yours to keep if you would like one. So when we know what God is asking, whether through his word or through godly wisdom of others that never contradicts his word, but what do we do? We have a choice. Am I going to do it or not? So what I want to give you are some words of wisdom when God makes it clear what we're supposed to do. So here's some, here's some words of wisdom that will save you a lot of regret, that will save you a lot of mistakes. Words of wisdom I wish I would have heard when I was a very young man. That somebody would have said, Donnie, when you know what you're supposed to do, here's what you do. So God comes to Jonah and he says, go. So when we go... It needs to be immediate. See, God's only spoken to Jonah two times in this story, and he's given him the same message. I want you to go speak to these people. See, God's message is not going to change. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to live. Go and do it immediately. Now, we tend to think, if I just ignore it, maybe it'll go away. 
If you have an old car that makes lots of noises, you know the easiest way to fix those noises is just turn up the radio a little bit. You just turn it up. What noise? I don't hear any noise, honey. What are you talking about? We also ignore warning signs sometimes and think, well, not right now. Like when my gas light comes on, my wife and I see that two different ways. I see 30 more miles. She sees, let's stop at a gas station right now. Anybody? Who's the light person? Just, it's a kind of a game. Let's see how far it can go. I was doing that this summer. I was in Louisville, Kentucky. I was in a rental car and I was sitting in an intersection and it quit. And I had to go get gas and the gas can broke and spilled all over me. And so I had this meeting at a Starbucks in Louisville, Kentucky and had to explain. Now I stink and here's why. I had to tell the whole story. And I called my wife and she said, how long did you try to go after the light came on? I was like, well, I was going for the standard 30 miles that you're supposed to be able to go. And evidently that brand of car won't do that. Mine will. So some of us respond to God that way. Just, I'll get to it. Just let me wait. I'll just wait. I'll just turn up the volume a little bit. I'll just ignore that. I can go a little bit more. But when God says go, we have possible responses. We can say no. We can say not now. Or we can say yes. In the original language, which was Hebrew, that the Old Testament was written in, when God says go, it carried with it the idea, not just go, but go right now. Like get up from whatever you're doing and go right now. It's like parents, when we ask our kids to do something, we usually don't say, could you clean your room next week? Could you pick that dish up off of the coffee table? Could you take your shoes to your room? We don't mean like whenever you get around to it. We mean right now. Like, go do this right now, please. And so God comes to Jonah and he says, right now, I want you to do that. And we say, can I just wait? Can I just finish this? Can I just do that first? We lack the discipline to do it now. Now, what do we do? Well, we go back and say, well, can I have another chance? Could I do it again? We've, the first three years we lived in the house we live in now, my wife's uh, hot water side leaked really bad on her side of the, the vanity in the bathroom. And so I said, I'll get to that, honey. I'll get to that. Well, three years later, I'm at mine over there, just hot water, you know, and she's over there like, oh, oh, it's cold. And I, I asked her to switch, but I, I just kept saying, I'll get to it. And I actually tried one day to fix it, and I couldn't fix it. And so I just got under the sink and turned the hot water off. And so she just had cold water on her side for three years. It's fixed now. It is fixed. It works. She has hot water. But I kept saying, I'll get to it. Not now, honey. I'm busy. I'll get to that. I'll make that happen. And some of you wives were saying, you jerk. Three years, you made your wife wait. I offered to share my hot water every morning. So Jonah got the second chance. He said, wait, I don't want to do it right now. I'm going to run in the other direction. But then Jonah gets the second chance. And this is what happened. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it. So Jonah would tell us, when God says go, you need to go like right then. Like, don't waste time. Don't move in the other direction. When he says go, when you know what you're supposed to do, go do it. That's his advice to us. Why? Because when we go, when we do what God wants us to do, when we move in the direction in which he's leading us, 
For, for some of us, it means we don't just go, but we have to let go. Because to move forward sometimes, you have to let go of some things in life. Like you heard in Melissa's story, she finds this group, Life's Healing Choices, and I've never heard a person go through that experience without saying, that was one of the most meaningful things in my life. It helped me let go of the things I needed to let go of. So Jonah had to let go of whatever was holding him back. He was also having to tell people, hey, you need to let go of the way you're living to come and obey God. So it goes on to say, one day Jonah entered the city. See, and also in the original language here, it had this idea he was entering the city, but he was leaving something behind. He had to leave something behind to receive all that God had for him. See, when you follow God, you, you leave something behind for what's better. And as I reflect, this past week was, uh, gosh, 29 years on Thursday since I said yes to Jesus. And I just remember that day, September 21st, 1988. Uh, I'll never forget that day. But I also remember about that day that I left things behind. I left bad habits behind. I had to leave friendships behind because of the influence I allowed them to have on me. I left attitudes behind so I could follow God. I had to let go of some things that I was doing, believing, and interacting with in my life. If, if you're going to do anything forward in life, you've got to let go of whatever it is that's holding you back. So to step into what God is calling you to do, sometimes you have to step away from what you're holding on to. And it might be a bad relationship. It might be bad habits. It might be bad attitudes. But if I'm going to go with what God wants, I've got to let go of whatever's holding me back. Jonah had to let go of this desire to control. He wanted to be his own master and say, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do that. But in retrospect, he would say, you just need to let go. Let go of whatever's holding you back for God's best. And so the question to ask yourself, if you know the direction in which you're supposed to go and you haven't done it yet because you won't let go of what is currently happening in life, what do you need to step away from? And then when you do step away from whatever it is, how do you do that? Well, one step at a time. One step at a time. That's what Jonah did. It says that he immediately started walking, leaving behind comfort and security. But step by step, Jonah is receiving all that God has for him. In those steps from going to leaving behind what's holding you back, our trust in those steps, you can find victory. In those steps, you can find faith and a new life. And in those steps, you can find a second chance. So he started walking towards Nineveh. Nineveh is a city at this time about 120,000 people. It would take three days to walk through it. Nineveh would have had a lot of enemies. And so Jonah shows up. Imagine this. He shows up. And so a biologist would say, well, if you're in all of that fish stomach juices ugh, for three days and three nights, your skin's going to be bleached and you're going to look this 
weird white color, like really white bleached skin. And so here he is walking through the city. We already know he said he had seaweed wrapped around him. He probably smelled really bad. They probably smelled him coming before they heard anything he had to say. And then he shows up and says, you need to change your ways. And they're probably like, anything, just get away from me. You're odd. You, you smell bad. You look funny. But he goes to them, and here's the words he spoke to the people who hated him. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now, he looks crazy. He seems out of touch. But he's saying, God is going to destroy this city in 40 days. If you've ever driven along Capitol Boulevard, you know that there's somebody that their life's mission is to let us know Jesus is coming back. <laughs> the little white pickup truck, there's a cross in the back of it. Somehow they climb up on the, on the telephone poles really high and they tell us Jesus is coming back and we need to repent. While that's 100% true, you got to give them credit. The statements are true. Now the method of doing it, I'm not sure if that works. But this is how Jonah would have looked that day. He would have looked like the guy in the pickup that sits there all day trying to let people know, hey, Jesus is coming back. We let people know, hey, I just want you all to know, I agree with what the guy says. Jesus is coming back and we need to be ready. But a big sign like that's probably not going to be the thing that does it. So this is Jonah going into the city saying, 40 days from now, this place is going to be destroyed. You better get ready. It would have been weird to hear that. There were probably people going, Psst, that guy's crazy. Just look at him. But what he's saying is, this place is going to be turned upside down, and you need to be ready for it. And he's telling him, you got a choice. You can have a second chance. You can go when God says go. He's saying, hey, this place is going to be destroyed. You need to do something. But to do that, you got to let go of what's in the past to move forward because when you do that, this is what Jonah would say, go immediately, let go of what's in the past because you never know. When you do that, you never know what hangs in the balance. You never know what's gonna happen as a result of your decision. Jonah obeyed God this time. He goes and speaks to the city and he's walking through the streets saying, 40 days from now, this place is gonna be restored. And there was something about that that made the people believe that made them start to think, well, well wait a minute, this, this, is, this might be true. And there were some reasons on the outside that made them listen even more. But it says, the very next verse, the people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Now, this would be difficult to believe, like to say, from the greatest person in our country to the least. They all have shown this sign of repentance and sorrow for what they've done. Just insert the whatever celebrity. I started to name a few, but somebody would get offended by it because maybe that person claimed to have faith or something. But just imagine whoever that is says, I am a follower of Christ now. I repent of my past ways. I want everything to change in my life. This is what was going on. It would have seemed unbelievable, like you too and that person, I can't believe it. And them, oh my gosh, 
with all they have, with all they've accomplished, and then now they're, they're going to believe? The people who were the furthest from God believed it, and they started to turn around. See, when you listen to God, when you obey what he asks you to do, you never know what hangs in the balance. Listen what happened because the people started to believe. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. That was just their cultural way of saying, I am sorry. I am in mourning about what I've done. It started with a guy that looked weird, that smelled bad, that said, turn this thing around with groups of people who believed, then other groups of people who believed, all the way up to the king to say, they're right. And there's that moment in all of us when we realize, I have to change. If you're a follower of Christ and a former runner from God, you know that there was this moment where you were just tired, where circumstances in your life made you say, I have to change. Something has to be different. I can't live like this anymore. We've got to do something new. We've got to start over. And it goes on to say, then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. I love that part. The king is saying, hey, who knows? Let's express our sorrow to God, and maybe, just maybe, when he sees our true sorrow, he will not destroy us. And that king could say, hey, when, when you know you need to go, do it. When you know you need to go, let go of the past. And when you know you need to go, you never know what other things are going to happen simply because you said yes. He says, if we turn... Maybe God will turn, change his mind. Could you imagine if political leaders of the world started saying things like that? Now, historically, here's what we know was going on in that region of the world at that time. Well, because they were looking out and realizing, look, God is sending us signs because they would have seen everything as a sign. It would have just been their level of understanding of science and weather and all that. So they had a total solar eclipse. You ever heard of one of those, right? And they believed, well, that's God letting us know something's not right. We're about to be destroyed. Then there were several tribes in that region that were destroying city after city after city. And Nineveh started to think, well, maybe we're next. And so there was fear that started to well up inside of them. And then there was this plague that came through and killed hundreds of thousands of people. And they're looking at all of that, plus this guy shows up that's been in the belly of a fish, smelling bad and looking weird and saying, God's going to destroy this place. And finally, people said, you know, I think he's probably right. Look at us. Look at what we've become. Look at what we do. The bottom line is God was using all of those circumstances, whether he caused it or he allowed it, but he was using all of those circumstances to turn people towards him. 
when bad things happen in our world, what happens? Well, we can, we can chart this. When bad things happen, when tragedies occur, uh, occur on a national scale especially, church attendance goes up, spirituality goes up every time. Because when we see things out of our control, whether God causes them or allows them, it can cause people to say, I need to take stock of who I am and what I'm doing. And that's what was happening in this whole country. They were looking at circumstances. And they were seeing that those circumstances were allowing them to change and turn things around. And he'll do the same for you. He'll use circumstances in your life in ways you could have never imagined. Somebody you work with, somebody you're in a relationship with, your children. I love the stories when people talk about how they came to know Jesus and they'll talk about their child that kept dragging them to church. Or parents of teenagers who really aren't involved in church but they keep dropping their kids off week after week and their kids are having these life-changing experiences and it's not long until they say, hey, I I think I'm going to go with you. And God uses those circumstances to get people to say, I want my second chance. The same thing can happen to you. By obeying God, the king was helping the whole country avoid something bad. He was looking at the advice he was getting. Hey, the advice is we're going to be destroyed. When I look at the circumstances I'm in, it feels like we're going to be destroyed. And so maybe I should listen to this guy. So what do we do when we see warning lights in life? When, when somebody with wisdom tells us, hey, I think you need to pay attention here. When God's word tells us, watch out here. In all of my years of being involved in ministry, I've done I, I, hundreds probably of wedding ceremonies, officiated them. Two times, I met with the couples and I ended up saying, I don't think you should get married. Who wants to come to me for premarital counseling? <laughs> I did. I, I mean, I'm, 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 like, I'm standing before God joining people and saying, I believe this should happen. And these two, I was like, I don't think this should happen. This is not a good plan. Well, why? You don't get along now. What makes you think signing your name on a piece of paper is going to make a difference? In fact, all of us who are married know whatever bugs you about the person is not going to magically go away after you say, I do. In fact, you got to be around it all the time. You can't go back to your place anymore and get a break. And so these two couples, within a couple years of each other, they were just like this while they were dating. And I was like, are you out of your mind? What are you thinking? And after they thought about it, they came to me and said, both of them, almost identical words, we're doing this with or without you. And you're our pastor, and we would love for you to be a part of this. And I said, i got to think about it. And the first one, I I thought about it for several days. And I decided if they're doing it with or without me, they've got a better chance if they do it with me. And I can walk with them. These were friends. I can walk with them and help. One marriage within one year was divorced. Other marriage within two years, they ended in divorce. So there are people speaking wisdom into your life. So look at those warning signs because you never know what happens when you listen to them. Go, let go, because you never know what hangs in the balance. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, 
he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. I'm going to read that again. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. In God's compassion, he gave them a second chance. And there are very few times in Scripture where it says that God changed his mind. I was trying to think through that. There's, there's only two that I can think of, where it says, including this one, where it says God changed his mind. He didn't do what he had planned to do because people did something. Because they were moving in one direction, they changed and moved in, the, in another direction, and God changed what was going to happen in their life. So if you're running, stop where you are now because you never know the impact that it's going to have. You never know. What kind of impact is Melissa going to have on her son that you saw her baptize? What kind of impact a generation from now when that young man has a family of his own is he going to have because his mom said, I'm tired of running. And I want my second chance. See, when we mess up, God doesn't give up. People might give up on you. The world might give up on you. But God never gives up on you. And something that may look hopeless, God can turn it around and make it into something great. So everybody gets a second chance, a third chance, a 100th chance. When we go when God asks and we let go of what's behind, you never know what hangs in the balance and what could change. So what do I need to leave so I can receive all that God has for me? I want you to think about that as we share this song together. And when, when I'll come back out when the song's over and then you'll have an opportunity to just walk down front, talk to me or one of the other pastors and say, I want my second chance. I'm ready to say yes, and I want the second chance. Have an impact that you can't even imagine just by saying, I want my second chance. And if for some reason emotionally you just cannot walk down here and look somebody in the eye and talk about that, write it on the back of that card. Just write second chance. And we'll be in touch and talk to you in another setting. But as we stand and sing together, think about the step you need to take.